Welcome into the Irish NFL show as we count down to the new NFL season. Delighted to be joined again by uh, Ryan Leaf. A number of times on the Irish NFL show, last time we had Ryan on was in the Points Bet USA office at the at the championship round. Ryan, and obviously you're an ambassador for Points Bet USA. Fantastic to have you back on the show. Yeah, I'm excited too, man. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad you guys are doing well. I'm excited for the NFL season and uh, uh, it's going to be a fun one. It's, it kicks off tomorrow night here in the States and um, it feels like we've been waiting for this for a, for a while now. Yeah, it's such a, I suppose, a crazy offseason in many ways. So many, so many various different storylines. But first and foremost, before we start talking to the NFL, we obviously want to congratulate you. And obviously you put out a social message recently around you and your wife expecting in a couple of months. So that's fantastic news for you. I know you've had, a, a, I suppose, a tough road on that side. So we're really, you know, appreciative of your time and congratulations to the family. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's it's much different than what a lot of people go through. I just don't think it's you know widely talked about miscarriages and you know it really affects the the women uh, the most. And I tell you what, she uh, uh, she's a she's a she's a badass. That one. I mean, she was she was gonna make this happen, and we were gonna have. Uh, and sure enough, it's a girl. So uh, 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 you know that's that's what we need. That's what she needed. She needed some more estrogen in the Leaf household, so she got it. Yeah, I have a balancing act here as well. I've got a girl and a boy, seven, yeah. five. So yeah, I I know that world very very well. It's uh, it's a great world all the same. But uh, let's let's crack on. Let's talk NFL. And uh, we're going into this game tomorrow evening. And I wonder how much the Lions would have focused in terms of the scheming on the offensive line, one of the best in the league, around assuming the Chiefs would have come to a resolution with Chris Jones. But obviously, it doesn't look at the time of recording like he's going to play. How much of an impact do you think this is going to be on the, be on the game? Because the Chiefs' defense, in particular at the back end of last season, with Chris Jones, was so marquee compared to how they were early on in the season. Do you think it's significant enough going into this game, or is the Kelsey factor an even bigger storyline for the Chiefs going? Well, I, I would say the Kelsey storyline is is probably more impactful. But I, you know, I've had a hyperextended knee. It's 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 painful, but it's mostly about swelling and getting that down, and if it feels like you can loosen it up, um, I, I expect Travis Kelsey to go, and I expect him to be impactful, and you have Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, Chris Jones not being available is a big deal. Fifteen and a half sacks a year ago. But another thing that people haven't really, I don't think, talked about enough is the fact Frank Clark's not there. Frank Clark was his, like, partner in crime. Those two, you know, did a lot of, lot of you know, a lot of good stuff together, and both of them are going to be out. So you're going to be asking a lot from your young guys. You have a, a, a Karloftis from, from Purdue only in his second year. You know, he, he was impactful as a rookie a year ago, but I mean, that's asking a lot to go up against an offensive line that is is road grader material. Like Panay Sewell leads a group of guys that can maul you and take you apart. And if that is at any point feeling like they are doing that, they'll run the heck out of the football. They'll allow Jared Goff to to use his play action ability and and get Amon Ross St. Brown open down the field and I mean this is a this is a big deal not having Chris Jones and the fact that he's not there uh I, I think says a lot about the the Chiefs organization and their willingness to you know dish out what kind of money you even look at the quarterback he he took essentially a pay cut and when he signed his long deal so they could do some different things and pay some different guys if I'm Patrick I'm probably looking at uh, the organization a bit and going, hey, where's all that money that I saved you by doing this deal? Where's it going? Like, you need Chris Jones needs to be here. 
Travis Kelsey can never leave. Like, dude needs to be paid as the highest tight end when it's up here soon. So if you're not going to spend the money on other things, then, you know, give it to me type of mentality. I would feel in that, that situation. Yeah, Travis Kelsey for NFL fans, a love-hate relationship there, but obviously he's such a great player. I mean, we, during the week on his own personal podcast with his brother, he kind of reached out to Chris Jones and kind of suggested, come on, come back, help me out here. I mean, surely he, as a player, he takes a haircut, he takes a discount because he sees the bigger picture here in terms of this Chiefs team have a great opportunity to kind of build a bit of a dynasty. Are you surprised in a way that this is going to come about because everybody seems to buy into what Andy Reid does there? And in terms of the contract stuff, that takes care of itself. Are you surprised it's got to this stage so close to the season? I am. Uh, I am surprised, though not necessarily from the Chiefs side of things because they are. They believe in in Andy we trust, right? Whatever he says is, is you know, written in, in gold lace or whatever. This is a Chris Jones situation. He gets paid $20 million a year as a defensive interior lineman, which is a lot of money. It puts him in a in pretty good stead. What he wants ultimately is he wants Aaron Donald money. He wants to be paid like Aaron Donald. He thought the year he had a year ago was so much so, but people forget he's still on his previous contract, right? He's been, you know, he's been fine through this process. And um, you know, he's he's contributing back to the pool for the Kansas City Chiefs essentially and not being paid a salary. So um, you know, there, someone's going to have to blink first. Clearly, the Chiefs have showcased that they aren't willing to blink first. Now, if a Detroit Lions team in, comes into Arrowhead, runs over this defensive front, puts up 35 points, and wins uh, on a last-second field goal or something like that, th- then there's probably a different conversation having in the organization's top offices about, hey, you know, we need our best player on defense in the fold. We can't, we can't afford to to lose these types of games because we have to deal with the AFC. And the reason that we've gone to three Super Bowls in the last five years is because we've hosted all five of those AFC championships and we need to continue to host those. And for that, that to happen, we have to be near the top, if not the top team in the AFC when the playoffs start. Kind of turn me to attention to Sunday and obviously the first round pick and Bryce Young. And, you know, you did some great work on Good Morning Football recently and you just discussed the quarterback situation. An interesting stat over the last 20 years, or the first pick in the draft, yeah. 0, 13, and 1, David Carr being the exception. But I'll throw in CJ Stroud in this conversation because for a large part of the offseason leading up to the draft, they were unsure as to who was going to go first. Who has the level of expectation more so on Sunday and even over the course of the season? Is it the Panthers because of the nature of the good coaching staff that they put around this quarterback in Bryce Young? Well, I think if you're the number one overall pick, you're always going to have the more expectation you know, for what the career looks like. But you look back at, you know, some of those, and you the first game of the year for these rookie quarterbacks taking number one, one of them was Peyton. Uh, one of them was uh, Marcus Mariota, uh, was the number two pick uh, aside, Jameis Winston. And both Marcus won uh, and I won. Peyton and and, uh, and Jameis didn't. So the first game's always, you, you throw it out there. It's the first game. You don't know how it's going to go. You probably give C.J. Stroud a better chance to win because of the offensive line that he has. Um, I, I was a little hesitant uh, after what I witnessed in the preseason and during practices for Bryce Young. He just he's he seemed small, and that was the worry for a lot of people. It, at times, he seemed overwhelmed. There was a lot of big people around him, and you know this game will be schemed up, right? It won't just be running plays to run plays to get uh, to get some um, you know education and experience. They're going to have this schemed up, 
to try to run the most optimal offense for Bryce Young and to do what they do best. But on the other side of that coin, you're going to have a defensive coordinator that has schemed this game up to make it as difficult and problematic for the young quarterback. So I think all three quarterbacks struggle. Ultimately, they don't play for great teams. That's a big part of what happens when great quarterbacks come into the league from college who were great in college. They do not go to good teams, and that makes for a problem. If you're going to give any quarterback maybe the best chance to have real success early, it might be Anthony Richardson simply because of his athleticism and maybe being able to make some things happen, uh, a la Justin Fields last year. Uh, if they just commit to that and kind of say, hey, you know, we're going to let you throw the ball down the field and try to make big plays and use your legs and, and be athletic, and that may give him some confidence week in and week out. Because ultimately, when these guys struggle, which they've never done before in their careers, um, you have to find out you know, how they are able to deal with failure on such a high level, and that's just one thing you can't quantify until they go through it. I just want to show two other quarterbacks into the mix here. One of them happens to be the opponent on Sunday for the Panthers, and that's obviously Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. And I'd like to put Sam Howard into this conversation. There's a rookie feel about these two as well, albeit they're not really kind of getting the scrutiny this offseason because of the nature of a draft that's just gone last April. We didn't see a lot of sample size from either of these. Sam Howard played week 18 against the Cowboys team we a week ahead in terms of the playoff game in Tampa. And Desmond Ritter only threw his first touchdown in the last game against the Cardinals. Is there a certain pressure on them? Do you think they're kind of going into a more you know, a suitable solution there in terms of Eric Bieniemy comes in, Arthur Smith will look to have B. John Robinson run the ball effectively? Are they under less pressure? Um, I don't think you could ever say a quarterback, a uh, starting quarterback for a franchise in the NFL is under uh, any less pressure. I think they're under immense amount of pressure simply because they're the starting quarterback for an NFL franchise. What I will say, though, is having that full year under their belt, regardless of how many times they were on the field, uh, pays a, a ton of dividends. One, your teammates know who you are. They know what your work ethic looks like. That's a big part of all this. If they're willing to battle and have your back, which it seemingly feels like all of them have, then you are already in a position of power. Where the three guys we talked about who are rookies, you just don't know. You don't know how your teammates are going to react if you go out and you realize he can't. He's not a gamer. He can't. He can't get it done in the game. That's that's not going to help put food on my table, win me a championship. So I want to. You know, you might. The guys that are getting ready to watch Ritter and Hal go, they believe in him. They do. And you have talented, uh, skill position players around both quarterbacks. I mean, the receiving core in Washington is incredible. Uh, you look at what the Atlanta Falcons have done in terms of where they've spent their draft capital over the last few years, uh, with. Uh, with London and Pitts, uh, and and now uh, Bijan Robinson, that's that's a huge factor. And Arthur Smith believes in Desmond Ritter. He believes he can make every throw in his offense. He's seen that he doesn't turn the football over. And we had Grady Jarrett on our show just a little while back, and he spoke he spoke in high regard for their new quarterback. So yeah, the pressure's going to be there. Don't get me wrong, because don't forget Ron Rivera got new ownership coming in. He's almost. I feel like in a make-or-break year, you better do something here or you have a guy sitting as your offensive coordinator that you just hired that have been, has been trying to get a head coaching job for a long, long time. And if you guys don't make the playoffs, but the offense is pretty darn good, I think Eric's, Eric Bieniemy would be a good alternative in that situation. So Ron Rivera needs to win. And Arthur Smith, with two seven-win seasons, he needs to win too. And I think this season is an opportunity for them to do that. As many think that Ron Rivera would have been relieved of his duties sooner if it wasn't for the kind of ownership situation there and I suppose that's going to to an even keel there in terms of the new owners that come in it's a fresh start there you think that's fair to say that 
losing season after losing season, he may have been. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, you know, there was just so much that was up in the air um, in terms of ownership and what Daniel Snyder wanted, who was actually in charge, all the things that that played into it. I don't think you could get an accurate look. Um, I know the players love him uh, from his time in Carolina to his time as a player in this league. Uh, he has been a player's coach. He's showcased he can win. He's just got to go out and do it this year. And in that division that they're playing in, had three teams make it to the divisional round of the playoffs last year. Uh, so, uh, you know, they, they need to they need to stick their nose in there. And if they don't, yeah, with a new ownership uh, uh, group in place, I would suspect that they're going to look for the best possible chance to win football games. We saw that play out in Denver last year. I think Nathaniel Hackett, you know, made it pretty easy. But this is a very similar scenario, right? Uh, outside the fact that, Ron Rivera's in his first year, like Nathaniel Hackett was, you have an opportunity to go get a, a great head coach like the Broncos did in Sean Payton with new owners in place. That's that's a, a similar spot to be in uh, if you are are in Washington right now. Well, I, I had a piece on the Broncos further down the list, but I think it's was for there. We might as well show this one in there. And some interesting comments have come out uh, earlier today around Shea, uh, Sean Payton kind of suggesting to Russell Wilson he needs to kind of leave all his other activities at the door and focus fully on being the Broncos cornerback and there was a quote and he, you're not running for a, a general election or a president or something to that effect and right. let's just get 100% behind what we're looking to do here do you think um, this is going to be a, I'm not going to say last chance to but do you think there's a, a one year feel about this uh, with Sean Payton and the relationship with Russell Wilson if it doesn't play out the way it should in terms of getting him back to the quarterback he was a couple of years ago is that unfair? I, I mean this this is this always has been an explosive situation as an op- as an opportunity. Russell Wilson's always been this guy, and it's because of how he coached his mind with Trevor Moad from his time at IMG. Uh, and I thought last year was a, a difficult year because he was the, without his, you know, essentially his, his GPS, his guidance system. And so I think that was more on display. And what intensified it? The fact that he was bad. We haven't seen Russell Wilson as a poor quarterback in this league. So I, I think there's something to that from an outside perspective. Sean Payton hasn't spent enough time with him to understand fully that this is who he is. This is who Russell Wilson is. He cares about things outside of football. He's building a brand. He's a businessman who loves to play football and has been successful and expects to be a good football player. So I, I don't take these, these words really to heart much. I don't think Russell Wilson will either. I think that after a year that he had, he can honestly take a look in the mirror and go, you know what, you know, for the time being, maybe I just need to, you know, for me to to get back to where I was so people will stop maybe putting the mic microscope so clearly on that, and that's my production. Instead, they're putting it on other things in my life because when you play poorly, that's when those things come out. That's when things start talking about it. No one talked about how the fact he went to the Children's Hospital in Seattle every Tuesday on his day off uh, other than to do kind of a bit of a, you know, but they weren't they weren't talking about it like that's a problem or he's, uh, you know, glad handing and doing things around his brand and buying into wheels up and in and, and all the things in Sierra being a part of his, you know, part of the problem in, in the eyes of a lot of people that that wasn't talked about when he's going to Super Bowls. It just wasn't. And so when you lose the fact and get the contract that you did, um, none of that stuff will be talked about once the season gets kicked off and he performs at the level that. I think he's going to perform at in Sean Payton's office. No one's going to be talking about that. What they're going to be talking about is that Nathaniel Hackett was absolutely the worst possible fit for this situation is what they're going to be talking about. 
And they'll get to find that out in week five. And that's going to be the big conversation speech, especially when uh, if the Jets get off to a slow start and the Broncos don't, and the Broncos are sitting at three and one when that matchup happens in Denver, I think that's probably going to be the bigger storyline in all of this. Yeah, sometimes you get a very favorable start in terms of the schedule. The Jets certainly don't have that. The Broncos, you could argue. Yeah, you know, just one thing on the coaching element. You say coaching matters. We saw it last year with David and we saw it with Joe Peterson in, in Jacksonville. How big an impact do you think Sean Payton can have? Bearing in mind how competitive this division is. And I'm going to come to the Chargers shortly in terms of their game against the Dolphins. But do you think the Sean Payton factor would be significant than you for this for this team in this division? Yeah, I, I really do. I think he is he's a you know a, a game defining variable in big moments because of how multiple and diverse and dynamic he is as a play caller. It's he's just great. He he put. Some of the stuff he was able to do in New Orleans when he had to make things run and make things go with Teddy Bridgewater when Drew Brees went down, that 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 type of stuff is is a big deal. And I was looking for, you know, where was his Alvin Kamara or his Reggie Bush in their Super Bowl season in Denver? And the fact that they get Williams back and then the, uh, you know, the, the P. Ryan signing for me was a big deal. It really was. Uh, losing Patrick as a wide receiver is going to be a big thing, but Russell's going to be asked to do a lot more in this offense. Uh, a big part of it is not turn it over. He cannot afford to turn it over like he did last year. And if he doesn't do that, uh, if he doesn't turn the football over, then I do think Sean Payton's um, addition to this team uh, is, is such a difference maker that I think it, it gets them to the playoffs. The late Sunday afternoon slot, some intriguing games there, and obviously the Chargers going up against the Dolphins. They played each other Sunday night football last year. Two was probably still carrying the injury, obviously come back from the concussion. Your expectation for these two teams going into a game which you would expect to be a highly scoring game, but like, is Chargers' defense still to be the problem? You know, they couldn't stop their own game. They gave away that second-half performance in the playoffs. Is Callum Moore really necessary in terms of revamping this offense, or is it, is it on staying to correct the defense? It's on Staley, yeah. I think, period. I think Brandon Staley clearly over his first two years in the league made some uh, horrible decisions in terms of how he went about his business. Now, players like it because he takes chances, but you have to win football games. The The loss to the Chiefs uh, in his rookie year at home would have probably propelled him to the playoffs la- that year. And, of course, the decision uh, you know, to, to try to show up the Raiders on that final play of the season two years ago that – didn't get him into the playoffs, which would have in that instance. And last year, the decision to play um, one of their best wide receivers and in a game that was meaningless, you know, it looked like it didn't matter in the first half of that game against Jacksonville, but ultimately it cost them a ton. So I think it comes down to Brandon Staley and his willingness to, you know, you know, just compromise and understand what it's going to take to be a championship caliber type of team because now you've added Kellen Moore who I think is going to do a, a, a world of things for Justin Herbert. And he's been about as good as anybody over his first three years in the league. So, yeah, I, I think Kellen Moore is a real difference maker. Um, the AFC is absolutely loaded. There are going to be teams that miss out. Um, and unfortunately for Brandon Staley, if they are really good this year but still miss out on a playoff bid, that is going to lay at the feet of him. And that he's going to have to be ultimately responsible for it. That Chiefs game, which you referred to first year, first year, I recall three, uh, three opportunities on fourth down where he could have taken three field goals that would have won the game. Instead, they end up in overtime. Yep. 
a game which is very difficult to call on Sunday. It's probably one of the best games in a way because it's such a you know storied franchise in, in terms of the rivalry. The Bears and the Packers. As Jordan Love is first proper game essentially as a starter. Justin Fields. There's still a lot of people that are out on Justin Fields. They're not sure whether he is the long-term solution. And um, some people love him. They think he, he is the answer. Where do you stand on this game? Because there's so many things to unravel and so many storylines going into this. There is. It, there's so much unknown. Uh, the Packers, for me, and the Patriots are two teams that I have absolutely no idea what this season is going to look like. And uh, uh, because, in part, the quarterback position, right? Jordan Love. There's been some things I've seen uh, at practice, in his leadership role this offseason, the way his teammates have kind of come to his defense, uh, where I think that the Packers did it again. I think they had a, have a blueprint for the quarterback position. It may seem dodgy at times and feels like you're navigating some really rough waters. And then ultimately you look around and you go, oh my God, they did it right again. And uh, uh, if that's the case, that's not a good thing for the Chicago Bears. They've tried. They've added pieces defensively. Uh, they've bolstered what Justin Fields needs to do. And I love what they did a year ago and how they bolstered his confidence. They weren't going to win a lot of games. So they allowed him to be him. And being him was to go out and be the all-time almost break the, the the quarterback record for rushing yards in the season. Got to give him confidence in terms of put, putting up points, but they decimated the defense. They traded everybody away. They cut costs. They wanted to get well, whatever they can to build for the next year. And so they could never outscore other teams because they just didn't have the defense. Well, now the defense is better. And they go out and get a number one wide receiver for Justin Fields. And those who I've talked to have said he's made that kind of jump, the kind of jump that we saw from Jalen Hurts in year three, from Josh Allen in, in year three. And if that's the case, and his ability to be more accurate and throw the ball down the field, Chicago's going to be a problem for people. They just are, because he's a dynamic with his feet. And if he's anywhere near accurate with the football as Jalen Hurts got in year three, then that is a problem team. Now, can they do it defensively? It's a bigger question. I don't know if their depth is necessarily as good. For the Packers, if you're as good as Aaron Rodgers was a year ago, Jordan Love, you're on, you're on the precipice of the playoffs. If you're just a tiny bit better, this team is a playoff team, period. So if that's the case, the fact that the the Packers are kind of being tossed aside in this division uh, surprises me a little bit. So we're going to learn a lot on Sunday for a lot of different reasons. The data that we don't have now, that we're based in mostly emotion up to this point, will bear itself out through this weekend. And we're going to have a better understanding of what uh, some of these quarterbacks that we have some question marks around are going to look like this year. Ryan, we went 22 and a half minutes before Aaron Rodgers got mentioned. We did we did very well. Um, just uh, looking ahead to Monday Night Football, do you think the Bills would have enjoyed this offseason in a way? Because last year there was so much expectations for them coming off that difficult loss with the 14 seconds. And this summer it's taking care of itself because of all the scrutiny. The Jets have got, obviously, you get the hard knocks, you get Jets driving all the various tipping outlets of, of news and bits and pieces that are going out there. But the Bills have quietly gone about their business. There's only been really Two storylines with the Diggs kind of controversy and obviously Leslie Frazier's departure. Do you think they they should be favourites for the division? They're favourites for the game slightly on Monday night. Do you think they would have, they'll look at this and go, people are writing us off in a way and we'll come out on Monday and make what a point to prove? I, I, I think last offseason was probably a much easier. When people are kind of telling you how great you are, you know, they keep bringing up maybe the, the 13 seconds conversation. But, you know, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and the offense, they could – they could really roll out and go, hey, we we brought it last year. Like, if we did not make some very sizable mistakes 
uh, at the coach at the coaching positions with those last 13 seconds were in the Super Bowl and most likely I think win the Super Bowl to be honest with you. And so uh, this offseason has been much much tougher. Um, the disappointment in which the season ended last year, I think they really couldn't thoroughly admit that hey the Demar Hamlin situation took such a toll on us that we were almost you know sleepwalking. We were talented enough to take on the Patriots and the Dolphins. But when Cincinnati came to town, we had just hit a wall. And I don't think anybody was really willing to, you know, use an excuse like that. And it's not an excuse. It's the truth. There's something to, you know, having to deal with something in a mental health space like that, that, that the, the Bills never had a chance to, never had a chance to check in. And that, you know, I throw that at the feet of the NFL, in particular, Troy Vincent and Roger Goodell on making the decision to run the teams out back on the field uh, uh, just a week later uh, when they had a real opportunity to do the, do the best thing for the wellness of of every team out there. Having said that, what is the biggest conversation at the end of that game? With Stephon Diggs and his anger shown towards his teammates uh, about how it finished, how he wasn't involved. And that reared its ugly head immediately this offseason too. No TAs. And it's been a talking point. It's been the only talking point. So much so that Josh Allen's had to go out and talk about it multiple times. And we just don't quite know what's happening here. What we do know is that that's the only thing anybody's been really talking about. Uh, the fact that Von Miller can't go, that he's on the uh, IR for the first four games, I think that's a big deal. They went out and got Leonard Floyd, which I, I do think that's uh, uh, helpful because they're going to have to get after the quarterback uh, in this game, in this matchup on Monday night. Uh, and the Jets seemingly did everything right this offseason. The only thing that I have even looked uh, poorly on was their decision to take Will McDonald rather than, let's say, Jackson Smith and the Jigba with that pick and do something that the Packers never did. Because realistically, the wide receiving room is not much different than what he had going on in Green Bay. And he was an eight-win guy, okay? Garrett Wilson's a special player. But I think Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are both guys that can can make those types of jumps. I mean, Christian Watson caught more touchdowns in his rookie year a year ago than, than, than a lot of people expected. You know, you have Corey Davis retire. You ship off Elijah Moore. I mean, you better hit it right with some of these young guys that were undrafted or late-round guys and Brownlee and others like that. But Randall Cobb and Lazard are the same guys that we saw last year. The offensive line is probably poorer in New York, but there's so much goodwill and there's so much emotion around it. I will say this, because of the difficulty of the schedule for the New York Jets, I don't know if there's a bigger game in this franchise's history uh, than what Monday night could be. And I know that's hyperbole, and there is a bit of it. But if they lose that football game with what they have ahead of them, I could see the wheels falling off immediately. They go to Dallas. They play the Patriots, who they haven't beaten in, I don't know, a decade. Then you got to deal with uh, the likes Chief, of Chiefs, the, Chiefs the Broncos with that revenge game, and then you have the Eagles. I mean, that's there's realistically an opportunity there if you lose game one to be 0-5. And if that happens, they're not coming back from that. Aaron Rodgers, we have not had a relaxed moment from him there. So this is a huge game. For both franchises, it really is. Not so much for uh, Buffalo as it is for the Jets, but the Buffalo Bills need to step up uh, on the biggest stage where everybody is expecting uh, the Jets to be the answer and make essentially make Vegas right. Vegas knows what they're doing. It's the reason why there's a, a shiny city in the middle of the desert somewhere. They know what they're doing. And the fact that Buffalo is still a favorite here means something. And they come off the bye week against the Giants team, which is now the rivalry has been even more stoked because of what happened in that preseason game 
Uh, you've been very generous with your time. I'm going to throw one more at you. And obviously, I'm conscious that you have to do your own show with points bets, so you don't need to give too much away. If I was to ask you for a shock on Sunday, and who do you think is an absolute lock for Sunday? And I, I appreciate it's week one. We always see various different results. Is it the Vikings at home to the Bucks, for example? Is that, the, is that a fair knock for Sunday? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I think you might even have to jump up to Thursday night. I think you. I think we're in for, I just feel like we're in I, for a bit of a shock, uh, what people expect it to be at Arrowhead, championship banner raised. They're going to feel the loss of Frank Clark and Chris Jones. It's going to be impactful because of the trenches, because of early in the year what you're able to do at the line of scrimmage. That's going to be a big part of it. Can a fully healthy Patrick Mahomes, who was good enough on one ankle to win a Super Bowl last year, be you know, more than enough? Most people would probably think so. And uh, that would be the hardest thing for me to go against is this Chiefs team because of who they have at the helm and who they have coaching. But that may be one uh, for the shocker for people on uh, uh, this week that uh, and I don't I don't think gave uh, Detroit a, much of a chance when this game was announced. Opening game of the season at one twenty a.m. local time in Ireland, but we'll all be up watching it and have a very tiresome Friday out of us. Great weekend ahead for all NFL fans, Brian. We always appreciate your time coming on the Irish NFL show. I wish you and your family all success and happiness over the coming months, and uh, have a great season. Enjoy the season. Hopefully, we have you on towards the back end of the season again. You bet. Always a pleasure. You guys do a great job. Thanks very much.